start the surgery and then they pull up another contract all characters mm. and none of them speak english and they just shove this contract in, in front of my face and they have a pen and like i understand they want me to sign it and i just like look at them like are you kidding me no one is here to translate this for me i have no idea and like why would they wait this long the very last minute mm. to ask me to sign this it's so scary. I actually, yeah, but that's the thing. I'm, I, I was 20 years old at the time, but still, I got out of that bed with my hairnet, with my gown, and I made sure that they called down my uh, my teaching colleagues again, so that they could translate the contract. Everyone was so annoyed at me because you know this took extra time, but I was like, I'm not signing anything that I do not know um, what it says. Hmm. So, so you see, yeah, I mean, of course, you learn all those kind of things. It's like it's important to really stand your ground and to also stay calm and to, to just trust yourself and everything. Welcome to the Grow Beyond podcast, a podcast devoted to international working experience. At Grow Beyond, we facilitate global career starts and help people to grow beyond their comfort zone. In this podcast, we interview young people that have built an international career on the steps they took, the challenges they faced and the lessons they've learned. They share tips and tricks and insights on their industries and countries they are working in. We are showcasing international opportunities and highlight how finding work abroad might advance a career faster than staying in your comfort zone. Let's get ready to grow. You are listening to the Grow Beyond Podcast 4. Welcome. Today we're talking to Agnes Wettblatt. Agnes is a Swedish national that now lives and works in New York City. She studied in Hong Kong, Beijing and New York and worked in Sweden, Norway, China and the US. She is now a consultant and has worked in various fields from healthcare systems to digital marketing and corporate social responsibility. She's passionate about political questions and has undertaken very interesting projects with the UN. And she literally survived many challenges in Asia. With no further ado, here's Agnes. So I am so excited to welcome Agnes today on our fourth podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Agnes, all the way from New York. Thank you, Ron. I'm so happy for you having me on this podcast. Yeah. And first of all, um, it would be wonderful if you could tell us a little bit more about your background, the countries you've lived in and worked in and uh, what you did there. Uh, okay, so I'm going to try and keep it short, but I guess my experience abroad started when I was uh, 18, just turning 19. I just graduated high school in Sweden, um, and I decided to move to Norway first that fall. Um, and in Norway, I worked as an administrative assistant at a small design company, uh, which mm -hmm. is called Flow Scandinavia. Today, they actually run a pretty big brand. So they operate within the optical industry and they design eyewear. So today they run the brand Kaibosh. You can actually look it up on Instagram or Facebook. So it's uh, today it's a quite big and quite successful company. Uh, back then it was more of kind of a startup vibe, mm -hmm. which I really enjoyed. Uh, it was a good experience to kind of be in that environment, especially being so young. Um, so then after Norway, uh, I stayed there for a year and it was in Bergen, Norway. Um, after that, I moved to China, uh, which is where I met you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and I did that teaching English as a foreign language certificate um, at Beijing Union University. And then I worked as an English teacher in southern China for a year. Um, and then from there, I moved back to Sweden 
where I yet again worked as an administrative assistant for a year. Uh, and then from there, I moved to New York, which is where I am now. Um, and here I'm right now just finishing up my bachelor's degree in business management. Exciting. Thank you so much. So many uh, different countries. And one question that actually arises from that for me as well, because I think a lot of people think of nor Northern European countries as being quite similar, maybe. How was the difference for you coming from Sweden, going to Norway? What kind of cultural differences um, did you experience there? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not... Like Like you said yourself, like, yeah, especially like Northern Europe, they tend to be quite similar, right? And mm -hmm. I think especially Scandinavia in terms of cultural values and so on, they're definitely similar. However, I guess coming from Sweden and kind of expecting it to be almost the same, uh, you will encounter differences that kind of surprises you. So for me, I think also moving like further up in Norway, like I said, I didn't move to Oslo as most Swedes do. I moved mm -hmm. to Bergen. Uh, so the biggest difference, I guess, was the weather. Okay. <laughs> the weather was just terrible. Uh, it was raining almost every day. Um, so it was, yeah. Even was darker than Sweden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, I guess, just the the attitude towards this weather. Because I know Swedes are known to, to be outside in any weather and just be very outdoorsy. Norwegians are even worse. And... <laughs> And I just couldn't identify with that because I already can't really identify with my fellow Swedes in that question. So that was a bit bizarre. But other than that, it's quite similar. Yeah. Okay, interesting. And another thing is you actually worked um, quite a bit and did different things before you started studying. Is that a likely thing to do maybe as well in Sweden or was that really your um, very conscious choice? How did that fall into place? Uh, honestly, it's quite common, I would say, in Scandinavia in general, because mm -hmm. uh, when I look at friends that I have in both Denmark and Norway, uh, it's it's common to, to take at least a year. Um, it's not unusual to take, like I did, I took three years. Um, it's just, I guess, it's very ingrained in our culture. And personally, I kind of think that it has to do with For us, like in our home countries, universities are free, mm -hmm. meaning that we can just work, save up money and go travel and do whatever we want, more or less. And then we can come back and we always have our home country and like, so to speak, our institutions in our countries to fall back on because it is free and it is a fairly easy application process. Um, so, yeah, I think we just feel that we kind of want to explore things before we go to university. Mm. It's a very interesting approach. And usually I ask the questions, how your study um, or how your studies help you proceed in your career. So here, I guess the question is a bit different. How did your work actually help you as well to decide on what you wanted to study? How did that shape your idea of which degree you ended up doing? Oh, my God. It's actually a very good question because um, it did change me a lot. Um, I, I don't say this to a lot of people, but um, first, when I graduated high school, I actually was accepted to law school in Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, I just applied kind of for fun because, again, I understand this does not make sense from people like for people from other countries because a, a university application is perhaps not really easy to do. But in Sweden, it's super easy. Um, you literally just log on onto an online platform, you tick some boxes and you've applied. So I just applied to law school for fun because it's something I've always been interested in. Right. Uh, and I got in. But I just I mean, of course, for a few seconds, I was kind of like, maybe I should actually do this. But I just didn't feel confident enough that I actually really genuinely wanted to do it. Um, and that's kind of when I decided that, no, I wanted a break from school. So at least I'm going to do this move to Norway. I work for a bit, um, save up some money and travel and just 
see if I still want to do it. And already in Norway, I felt that, of course, um, law is not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a bit too strict. I'm more interested in business and entrepreneurship and like creative thinking. Uh, So, of course, I'm very thankful that I didn't just jump on the first thing. And then you ended up studying what exactly in New York? Uh, It's a bachelor's degree in science in business administration, um, and it's a concentration in management. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's a lot of economics, it's a lot of general business, um, and it's a lot of, I mean, I've had classes in entrepreneurship, um, in finance, uh, in accounting, uh, quite a lot in marketing. So here in the U.S., it's, it's actually very fun to, to study business because they have a very like broad approach to it, which I really like. And um, you had a couple of jobs uh, during your degree now and after your degree, which you can tell us about. But the first job you actually had in Norway, you got it without uh, having any kind of degree, right? So how did you get into that job, actually? How did that happen? Oh, um, so first when I got to Norway, because I did not get this job straight away, but this is the job that, you know, I left on my resume because this is like a really good job, right? (laughs) But first when I came to Norway, I tried all sorts of like small little nonsense jobs because like I said before, a lot of Swedish people, they do move to Norway to work, Mm -hmm. Uh, but most often they move to Oslo and they might work in like supermarkets or just small like random jobs like that and I did also try these type of jobs first but since I've always been a very ambitious person I knew that I I actually wanted to try and spend my time more meaningfully um and then so first I just I got placed at this company through a job agency just supposed to work as a logistics worker kind of help Mm -hmm. out in their warehouse but I just kind of I don't know I guess i did what I tried to always do. I just talked a lot to the people working there because it's a very small company. Um, and I really worked really, really hard. And I tried my best to, you know, give suggestions and uh, in things that maybe didn't really fit the work description that I was supposed to do. Um, and then after, because I was just supposed to be there a few weeks um, to help out during a business season in the warehouse. And then they just said that they actually wanted me to stay Um, and to take on more of an administrative role. So that's kind of how that happened. Interesting. And I I love this idea of actually taking basically not a gap year, but three gap years, if you want, which are not really a gap because you worked, of course. But I think this this rush a lot of people have, they they have to study and they have to decide on on what doing. So taking a different approach and going out there to to work and then take a very conscious decision of what to study as well. I think it's, yeah, it's super interesting. And then you worked in consultancy now in New York. You did a few different things. How did you get into these jobs um, during your um, during your doing your bachelor's and also let's say a bit more advanced in your career um I guess the consulting here in New York is is all thanks to my university mm-hmm. as I go to Long Island University post campus which is the, the Long Island University campus that is uh, far out on Long Island and they have an amazing program that um, it started by the assistant dean of the college of management at my school and it's called LIUIQ Consulting. Uh, it's actually a non-for-profit company that is ran by the university. Mm-hmm. So what they do is that they take in actual corporate clients um, and then they have a team of students doing actual consulting work for them. So 
and it really is a full-time job because you do have client meetings every single week. You prepare a slide deck. Uh, you have a midpoint presentation uh, in their offices in the city. Um, and you also, of course, do the big final presentation where very often both the CEO, CFO, and all of those very high-up people are present. So it's it's a really great program. Mm-hmm. Um, here I can say like, a, a mistake from me is that I got into this program or like got interested into this program like very late, I guess, in my academic career at this university. I wish it would have started earlier because if you start earlier, you will also be allowed to do international projects. Mm-hmm. So because they will go and do consulting for companies in China. Um, they've done consulting for companies in Korea, uh, actually in Sweden too. So yeah, it's just a very good program. Okay, so that's already a lesson learned, which we will talk about in a little bit as well. Yeah. So you already shared one there. And um, yeah, did you? I know that you were involved, for example, with the UN and different projects. So what kind of things did you do during university, um, extracurricular activities that maybe you also did to reach goals after university um, in terms of career goals? Um, I guess there's two well I guess three main things but I mentioned one which is the consulting um, and then we have the honors college which I don't know really if we should call it an extracurricular but it is a conscious choice it's a conscious decision that you really have to make um, and especially when you go to university in America a lot of universities do offer something that they call either an honors college or an honors program uh, depending on how rigorous it is and depending on the resources they have For me, it was actually an honors college, um, and I wanted to go there because, again, like you get better professors, you get more challenging coursework, and you also get uh, quite a few extra opportunities and special opportunities that you may not um, be offered if you just go to, so to speak, like the regular college. Um, and that has definitely given me a lot. And also, it looks very nice on your resume to mm-hmm. be that you have an honors degree, um, and that you graduate with distinction in honors um, on top of a high GPA. So it just it kind of gives you that little extra thing on your resume. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I, uh, well, third thing, I guess, that I was involved in uh, is uh, the Model UN, um, which, um, I don't know, it's just, uh, for me, that was incredible. Again, I can say I got involved too late, <laughs> only my last year um, at campus, but I was still so happy that I did because I had the opportunity to participate in the National Model United Nations Conference, which is held here in New York City. Um, And it's just an amazing conference. You have schools from all over the world participating. um, And I think it's like over 300 universities represented. And it's just incredible. And it goes on for like four or five days. And you just eat, sleep. And it's just the UN all the time. And It's just a very geeky week and it's just uh, amazing. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I know I remember seeing some pictures. You you won some um, special special certificates as well for the mo- most outstanding um, petition or something. You you did like maybe you can tell a little bit more about that so, and generally about the model UN as well, maybe and the the experience because I think a lot of young people are really interested in that as well. Yes, uh, I was uh, I was so so happy that I managed to win. So what I I've, they have several different awards, right? But I won an award for the most outstanding position paper. Oh, okay. And this is this is like an academic paper that you write before the conference, oh, and you okay. have to turn it. Uh, so yeah, so you have to turn it in by a certain date. And I was 
uh, my school was representing Norway that year. You actually you get each school get assigned a country randomly, so you have no say. Mm. Um, and again, I felt very lucky because, like I said, they were representing Norway the year mm. that I was in the Model UN for my school, and that made it, of course, fairly easy for me since it is a cultural. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's culturally and speaking about values as well. It's just very similar to Sweden, right? So I felt very at home representing Norway, and I felt very at home writing this paper too. Like I could really connect to to everything that I wrote uh, on a much more personal level. Mm-hmm. And I think because I was also so happy I was alone from, from my school. I was alone representing Norway in the Commission on the Status of Women, um, which also is great since I am a feminist. Mm-hmm. So it was just it, was, it made it very easy and it was so much fun. And maybe you can just share very briefly a little bit, if that's even possible. But what exactly was this model you went about? What kind of uh, did you have to decide on? What kind of paper did you have to come up with? Um, what exactly did it involve? Uh, so, okay, the, the position paper that you write is on the three topics that are up for discussion, so to speak, because yeah. each uh, each commission is committee uh, in the Model UN, they get assigned topics that are going to be uh, debated or discussed or, yeah, in general, just explored during the conference. Mm-hmm. So you get these three topics. Uh, I don't remember the exact wording now, but I do know that for the Commission on the Status of Women during my conference, it was the rights of Indigenous women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was um, women in women like in the in the financial world and like women who work and the financial distribution between more female uh, female oriented work versus male oriented work mm. um and the third one oh, can i even remember it <laughs> but it's, so you sure. have different so just for people that aren't yeah. familiar with it you have different topics and that's actually exactly. what you debate on and the challenge then is of course as well i mean like you said you had a country that was close to your values but if you have to mm. represent a country that maybe is not so close to your values as well that's the position you have to take as the university student right to to exactly. present the country okay yeah very interesting thank you um yeah for sharing that insight and um yeah i mean you've been to different countries and i um, i would like to know a little bit more about um how you ended up going abroad or why did you decide also on the specific countries maybe norway in the first place was a bit a logical choice because you said it's not uncommon to do that but then you went to china as well so what was kind of your train of thought when you decided on the different international steps you took um It's very funny because the only, the only like well planned and the only obvious step has for me has always been New York because mm. that's something I started. I guess I should use the word dream actually. Like I started dreaming of it when I was very young. Like mm. I no joke, I was like eleven, twelve, and I would be like, yeah, I'm gonna live in New York. I'm gonna mm-hmm. study in New York. So so that was, I guess, the only obvious country. Um, Norway was more. Because I, I just graduated high school and I just felt that I wanted to do something else, and uh, I did see a lot of uh, a lot of other Swedish people, um, friends, not friends, just in general, like a lot of Swedish youth. They go to Norway because the salaries are much higher, um, and they go there to save up money and so that they can travel. So I guess mm. initially I went to Norway with this idea that I'm going to save up a lot of money so that I can go travel. But since I did end up having such a good job and just a very stimulating job in Norway, I kind of felt that 
I can't just go and travel aimlessly. I felt that I wanted to actually work and add on to my resume and add on actual work-related experience. Um, So how I ended up in China is actually very funny because I remember I was just at home alone, aimlessly surfing like on my computer, whatever. And I was reading some silly blog and this girl who wrote this blog, she had been doing some volunteer work in Africa, helping lions. Mm -hmm. And she also linked to the organization. So I just clicked that page. And when I was on that page, I saw that, oh, you can teach English in China as well. And then I clicked on that and I started reading about that. And I realized this sounds really cool. And I'm very passionate about the English language. Mm. And so it's so random. I never heard of that. I never really thought about going to China. I didn't have a special interest in China at all. But pretty much at that moment, I actually started my application because it was quite close to deadline. So that was pretty much, yeah, I could do this. (laughs) Yeah, and very different context and very different talent. But um, you decided to study in the United States. And uh, you mentioned before that it's not very expensive in your home country, but rather expensive in the US, at least from what I think the broader public thinks or knows. Why did you decide on going to the United States for your degree? Uh, it's again my whole passion with English. I just okay. uh, I, I always kind of knew that I wanted to study in English, and this kind of wish uh, just grew stronger and stronger. Um, the more that I worked in other countries and the more uh, international experience that I got, I just felt that I want to have a globally recognized degree. I want mm-hmm. to have uh, I don't know. I, I want to familiarize myself more with the the business language uh, in English as well, like business English. Um, And the best way to do so is, of course, to pursue my degree in English. And I know then some people might ask why I wouldn't go to the UK instead, since that's still in the EU and it's closer. Well, not in the EU, but (laughs) in Europe. um, And it's closer to Sweden. Um, But I don't know. For me, and I guess for most Swedish people, American English just kind of is closer to our heart. Um, That's kind of what we learn, and it's uh, more the culture we're exposed to. Uh, And of course, because it's New York, that's kind of why I really wanted to go. But you're right, it's it's expensive. So for me, I was heavily dependent on scholarships, um, which I managed to get, because otherwise that would not be possible for me to, to come here. Kim, maybe you can talk a little bit about that as well. How did you get the scholarships? Did you apply for them before or how, how did that work out for you? I Oh my God, I have applied for so many scholarships and I've been denied for so many. Mm. <laughs> so I guess uh, the first rule is just apply for everything and don't take it too seriously. Like, you know, you're going to get no's, you're going to get a yes eventually. Mm. Um, but for me, for this, like, the particular school that I go to, Long Island University, I ended up just getting scholarships from my school. Um, And that is heavily based actually on um, my level of English. So I took the the TOEFL test Mm. and uh, I got a very, very high score um, on it. And my school actually does this way. Like if you get over a certain point, like Mm. a certain high score, you'll actually get this and this amount of scholarship so just yeah yeah, like just with that result I got $22,000 annually Mm. Um, nice work Agnes (laughs) well done (laughs) (laughs) and then on top of that if you attend the honors college most universities will also offer a scholarship for that too so just look everything up 
um, and really do your research. And there's definitely ways to to find funding for whatever you want to do. Great, that's a good that's a good take. Um, and uh, yeah, you are you have worked now. I mean, New York is obviously one of the most exciting cities in the world. So I think most people can totally understand why you wanted to go there and why you wanted to study there. And you worked in. Um, Uh, consultancy now you told me you want to go into business as well this whole corporate social responsibility side um, interests you what do you see now you're in New York uh, obviously it's an island in the United States itself but what options do you see there for young people in that sector you want to go and what and what do you think are the key challenges Uh, oh my god! I mean, the thing is, New York is just amazing. Um, mm. There's so much to to get involved in. I mean, you know this too. You mm. lived here for three months, so um, there's just there's so many networking events. There's so many organizations to get involved with, even if you're not associated with a school. So, I mean, the best opportunity and the best tip that I could give in general is just that: do your best to look up events on Facebook. Do your best to look up. Uh, what type of organizations exist that are, um, I don't know, that, that fits your agenda, so to speak. Um, for example, there's an organization called Young Professionals, mm -hmm. um, and that's tied to the Swedish Chamber of Commerce, but they actually welcome people from yeah any origin, so to speak. Um, and that's an incredible organization. They arrange events everywhere at a lot of very interesting companies, and they have a lot of interesting networking events at various bars and restaurants. So that's like... I guess that's what's so unique with New York is that you can always put yourself out there. You can always network and you can always find ways to to explore any industry, really. Um, and in terms of corporate social responsibility, um, I would say that, again, like at my school, we've had a lot of very interesting lecturers, like guest lecturers coming in and talking about their careers within this field. Um, and I think CSR consulting is a bit like I... Honestly, I need to to get more kind of into that very specific segment because, like I said, that is something that really interests me. Um, but, yeah, I haven't really gotten to that yet because now I'm still like, on this kind of general consulting. And I think maybe I will have to start my career path more like just general like management consulting and then eventually uh, kind of slide into CSR consulting because it's like a more specific field. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, yeah, you've you've been to many different countries. Um, we already talked about a, a few things you learned from it. But what do you think was actually the most valuable lessons and maybe also things you ended up doing now that you wouldn't have done if you would have just stayed in Sweden in your in your comfort zone, let's say? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I mean, I learned so much and I've experienced so much just through these traces because um I mean, for example, just last summer, I, I also I studied uh, a business institute in Hong Kong, and mm. then I studied four weeks of Mandarin in, in mainland China as well. So for me, I guess something I really learned and something that kind of surprised me a lot is that I feel so at home in China. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that I never would have bothered trying even to learn Mandarin if I hadn't ended up to just spontaneously moved to China um, and also I think the biggest lesson in general is just that it does make you so much more open-minded and it just makes you appreciate everyone and appreciate all cultures and understand that there is no right or wrong culture and there is no right or wrong way to be and mm. you become just so much more tolerant in accepting that 
we are all different, but there is still a way for us all to learn and kind of be together regardless of that. Mm. And maybe do you have a key challenge, like a tough experience that you could share that made you overcome maybe that or that you overcame and that obviously then I guess resulted in a learning as well? Is there something you can think of? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, there's always uh, visa issues. They always mm. exist. But we but all have it, been there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then again, I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to say this one. Uh, my first time in China. So 2013. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fall 2013. I got appendicitis and I had oh. to have surgery. Um, and that was, of course, very like, oh, my God, because I was 20 years old. then. so I... And yeah. you had the you had the um, the surgery in in China. Yes, I did. Oh, and and, and you're obviously still alive, so it all went yes. well. So, okay. Oh wow, I didn't know about that either. So, and that was tough because you were so far away from your family and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest challenge though was that none of the doctors spoke English. Um, mm. um, none of them spoke any English, and I had actually been walking around with my stomach pain like for like five days so it was quite urgent like I needed the surgery ASAP mm. um, and none of the doctors spoke any English and we had like I had some Chinese colleagues with me from the school that I was working mm. uh, working at, at the time and they you know they tried their best to translate some things but it didn't translate everything so it was very stressful because you feel very helpless as well because you can't yes. yeah And then you have to sign these liability contracts and they're written all in, in Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, said, wow. Well, oh, wow. I, yeah. might, I might be like, selling my organs now, but hopefully not. But <laughs> and, and you grew more resilience. How did you come out of that? Like, what do you think after when you look back onto that situation, what that did with you as well? What, what changed in your in your thinking maybe as well? Um. And it's, this is going to sound a bit silly, but I'm actually kind of like very proud of myself for how I handled it. Mm. Because particularly one moment, like I was already dressed up like in a hairnet and I had like the gown on and everything. And I was literally on the bed in the surgery, like theater ready, like they were ready to start the surgery. And then they pull up another contract all characters mm. and none of them speak English and they just shove this contract in, in front of my face and they have a pen and like I understand they want me to sign it and I just like look at them like are you kidding me no one is here to translate this for me I have no idea and like why would they wait this long it's the very last minute mm. to ask me to sign this that's so, so I actually, yeah. yeah but that's the thing I'm, I, I was 20 years old at the time but still I got out of that bed with my hairnet with my gown <laughs> And I made sure that they called down my uh, my teaching colleagues again so that they could translate the contract. Everyone was so annoyed at me because, you know, this took extra time. But I was like, I'm not signing anything that I do not know um, what it says. Hmm. So, 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 yeah, I mean, of course, you learn all those kind of things. It's like it's important to really stand your ground and to also stay calm and to, to just trust yourself and, and you everything managed. will be fine. You managed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, does really uh, fit in this situation. So, wow, yeah, I didn't know this story either. So, good on you. I'm happy you're all recovered now and um, yeah. you made it out of this. So, wow, yeah. Um, and then 
this was a deep sidetrack. So now uh, <laughs> looking um, at, yeah, maybe we can f finish off um, with two things. We already talked about things you would have done differently. Um, not get an appendicitis in mating, for example. <laughs> But um, no, you talked about, um, seriously, you talked about that you just started some things too late um, or that you basically wish you would have started them earlier, like engagement in universities and stuff. Mm. Why did you start late or did you not figure out? Was there, do you think now you would say you should have really um, looked for this information earlier? What would be your yeah, call for improvement in, in these um, kind of instances as well? Um, honestly, I think that the only reason I didn't start him, start him earlier is because I just, I don't know, like time just passed so fast. Yeah. So I think it was just kind of um, an instance of inaction because the interesting part is I have always been very interested in the UN and I've always kind of had it as a hobby to, to learn as much as I can about it. So I actually knew really early on that I had an interest in the model UN, um, but I just... Instead, I decided to uh, to fast track my my academic program because I will have finished my degree in two and a half years instead of uh, three or four years. So I guess what I kind of regret a little bit is that I focused so much on only the academics mm -hmm. and that I should have added in um, more extracurriculars or, you know, just different organizations um, and then actually slow down the academic pace, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, that's kind mm. of what I wish. So that would maybe also fall into um, what my last question would be, what your most useful advice would be or kind of what you would tell your 20-year-old self um, from the experiences you had now internationally, working in so many different countries, studying. What would be a key takeaway you would say, oh, I wish you know, I, I could tell my 20-year-old self and maybe do it differently? Um, I guess it would be to, to not stress. And, and mm. I know that sounds a bit ironic since, you know, I took three years between high school mm. and uh, university, but, but still, because like you said before, especially here now in America, I'm surrounded by so many extremely young people. Um, they're 19, they're 20, they're 21, and they're so stressed And they've mm. never been abroad. They never had a job, but they're just so stressed to to fast track everything and just get that steady job and just be done already. Mm. And and even though I did take my three years as a break, I can feel that, like I said, now like these past two two and a half years, I do wish actually that I would have slowed down because I don't know, slow and steady wins the race, I guess. <laughs> in mm. in some instances, where it's just it's it's better to to really apply yourself and, and utilize all opportunities and really enjoy that the moment in life and the moments in time and like the place that you're in right now and really make sure that you make the most out of it. Yeah. And I think it's um, totally valid and something I often hear and I also share because I think we're always on the go. And especially when you're young, you feel like it's never enough. You're never good enough. Um, you always have to do more. And there are all these timelines, you know, all these things you supposedly should have done until this and that point. And then eventually you look back and you think, you know what, it would have been fine as well to not do that. So I totally mm, yeah. agree. And I think that's... Um, Hopefully some younger people listening can also take that away and, and also look around you. You know, what is there? Like you mentioned these opportunities at university, what to take away, what to profit off. And then, you know, even if it takes a little longer, everything is still going to be all right. Right. So I think yeah, that's exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Agnes. And um, we will also talk and see um, after this that maybe we can incorporate some links of the things you've talked about, this interesting company you worked for in, in Norway, which has grown now a lot, and also um, the university you're studying at. So I will put these links in the description of this podcast. So if people want to follow up on something, they can have a look at it and um, yeah, maybe get even a better understanding of, of what we talked about today. Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was thank really, you really so good much for to you. Jo joining us from New York. And uh, we all wish we would be there with you now. So <laughs> um, enjoy this wonderful city. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed these insights and are ready to grow beyond. If you have any questions or feedback, please head to www.growbeyond.com, beyond spelled with you because it's all about you, or email rona at growbeyond.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. All infos are also in the description of this podcast. We are looking forward to hearing from you. Let's grow. I'm Rona. Thank you for listening.